So thank you again for being here, everyone. Um, I'm happy to be with you. It's good to see you. I was, I was thinking of a title for this talk, and I think what I came up with is The Meaning of Life. Um, so I don't know if you'll come out of this with The Meaning of Life, uh, but I, I want to touch on that as we... Uh, as I look at this, and for as I look at this, um, I I came up with that, or I thought of that. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine last week. I was talking to a bunch of people over the last week that are all kind of uh, have a piece in in this Dharma talk. And the woman I was talking to last week was kind of feeling overwhelmed by the state of the world, which a lot of people are these days. It's a, it's a challenging time. It's been a challenging time for quite a while, and it remains so. And there's a lot of un, unsettledness, unease, uncertainty. And so I think she was really feeling that. And she, she was saying she was just looking for the meaning of life. She was looking for the meaning of life. And... Um, uh, so what that got me to think, thinking of was uh, Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, which some of you may know. He was a uh, psychologist, psych psychiatrist, uh, um, a neurologist, and he was also a survivor of the Holocaust. He was in a few concentration camps, and when he got out, um, I think it was like a year after he got out, a year or two after he got out of... Um, after the end of the war, he wrote this book, Man's Search for Meaning, which is a large part of his experiences in the camps, and then his kind of philosophy that evolved out of um, out of that experience, along with a lot of the study he had done before. And, um, you know, I was also talking to another friend last week and talking about how I've read a number of books that aren't Dharma necessarily, but I've I've gotten Dharma talks out of them because even though they're not technically Buddhist, um, they are Dharma. They point to how to be in the world. And, and he said, my friend said, yeah, everything's Dharma. Dharma is, in one word, uh, in one way of looking at it, the, the traditional teachings, the suttas, what we take as the teachings of the Buddha, but it's also the way it is. That's another way of, be, of defining Dharma in this sense is like, it's what is. And so um, I wanted to kind of look at this, this teaching of Viktor Frankl and, and kind of see how it actually uh, really moves with Dharma. And I, and I think it's, um, for me, I really appreciate this type of um, investigation because it gives a different perspective. We're all if you've been reading Buddhist books or coming to Dharma talks or listening to podcasts, there's a, there's, you know, there's a, a particular set of teachings of stories, but to have it, it maybe come from a different perspective, I find really helpful, gives me a different way to see things, maybe allows me to see something in my life a little bit differently. And they talk about all the thousands of different Dharma doors, 10,000 Dharma doors, 84,000 Dharma doors. There's a lot of ways to approach these teachings, and this is just uh, another one of them. Um, and I really uh, appreciate uh, his wisdom, Frankel's wisdom, and what he has to offer. And there was another book, actually it was a series of lectures he gave, again, just a couple of years after the war, called 
which I had not heard of, but I, I discovered this last week. It was called Yes to Life in Spite of Everything. And as I said, it was, a, I guess, a series of nine or ten lectures, and then it was published in this book, which I think I want to get. It sounds really, really interesting. So you all know that in the basic Buddhist teaching, you know, in the Four, Four Noble Truths, there is suffering, and this suffering is because we are we are craving, we are uh, wanting things to be pleasant all the time. There's this craving for sensual pleasure. And this, we want everything to be good, good sounds, good smells, good taste, good feelings. You know, we want it all to be good. And we create this extra level of suffering for ourselves when it's not. And we are chasing stuff outside of ourselves um, to make it give us happiness. It can be things, it can be, you know, jobs, um, relationships, money, it, even into practice. It can be, you know, this sense of this bliss, you know, and, and this is, I was thinking about this. I hear this a lot. Find your bliss. You know, find your bliss and then do that for, and then get paid to do that for a living. And it's like, that is such a, a high bar and what a chore to, I haven't, I haven't found that bliss that I can go out and get a job and get paid for it yet. Um, some people do, but you know, it's not something that you can just turn on and turn off and that's, or find the meaning of life, find what gives you meaning and then you'll be happy. And Again, it, it, even though it's couched in these really beautiful terms, it's, it's still pointing to go somewhere else and find something, and then you'll be okay. And, that's not, and it's not out there. The Buddha taught that. It's, it's, you, that's what that suffering is. That's that second noble truth. It's our wanting things to be your particular way. And, you know, the great teaching of Buddhism is to let go. And um, uh, Frankel talks about that, too. He talks about um, it's not out there. Uh, we need to, he says, we need to stop asking about the meaning of life and instead think of ourselves as those who, we, who were being questioned by life which is a different way to think about it. Daily and hourly, we are being questioned. And he says, the question life asks us, and in answering it, we realize the meaning of the present moment. So it's not the meaning of life, but the meaning of the present moment. And it changes from hour to hour, from person to person. And the question is entirely different in each moment for each individual. So there's not one size fits all. If you all do this, you will be happy. That's when you start getting into fundamentalism. That's when you get start falling into this place of it's always got to be this way. We get into these rules. You know, I talked a couple of weeks ago about the colonial mind, the colonial mind who created this is what's right and anything that's outside of this is wrong and we, we can't have it, we must crush it. Instead, we have to look each moment what is the appropriate response in this moment? That's a hipasiko. That was the Buddha's teaching on his deathbed. Find your own way. You know, the, his, his, uh, 
the Buddha's monks were saying, what will we do after you've died? Who will teach us? And he said, I've given you the teachings. Now be a lamp unto yourselves. Find your own way. Be present in the moment. So that is what is being offered both by Frankel and by the Buddha. And I, I, you know, I love that. The question lies in each moment. It lies in each moment. Um, and he also says that no situation repeats itself. And each situation calls for a different response. Sometimes the situation in which a person finds himself may require him to shape his own fate by action. At other times, it's more advantageous for him to make use of an opportunity for contemplation and to realize assets in this way. Sometimes man may be required simply to accept that this is the way it is. Every situation is distinguished by its uniqueness and there is only one answer in the present moment at the situation at hand. What is the appropriate response? That's that old Zen story about the, the wise man who's being chased by the, the tiger. And he gets to the edge of the cliff and he, he jumps on to hang off this branch that's off the edge hanging, growing out of the side of the cliff. And as he's, as he's there, he notices that the branch is starting to give way and he looks down and it's like, you know, certain death when he lands on the ground way far below and he looks up and the tiger's at the edge. So it's like, you go that way, you're going to die. You go that way, you're going to die. And then he notices there's this strawberry growing out of the branch and he plucks the strawberry and he eats it and he goes, oh, this is so delicious. So the response in that moment was to enjoy what was there, to find the joy that was right there. Look, a strawberry, eat it, enjoy it. You know, that is really this, the, the, the key of being in awareness, not in the story of, you know, when we think we know what the answer is, when we think we know how it's going to unfold, we're not present. We're caught in the story, and we're, we're distracted, and we can't fully be here. So um, both Frankel and the Buddha are saying, be here now. Ram Dass said that too. Be here now. And, the, and, and Jack Hornfield has said, you must be present to win. You know, it's like a, 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 a raffle. Um, you must be present to win, a door prize. And... Um, you know, he, Frankel also says, living itself means nothing other than to be being questioned. Our whole act of being is nothing more than responding to and being responsible toward life. You know, and with this standpoint, nothing can scare us anymore. No future, no apparent lack, because now the present is everything. And at each, each moment brings a new experience. Each moment is, oh, what is this? That's Zen mind, beginner's mind. What is this? What is this? Um, the thing that happens, though, is for many of us, as we move into this new way of, of uh, interacting with life and our experiences, we've had all these conditioned ways of thinking, these habits of mind, these habits of behavior, these ways we view the world. 
And all of a sudden, we're asked to put those aside to see how they're conditioned based on fears, based on desires, based on so many things, based on societal norms. Um, and we're being asked to put those aside. You know, I have to, there's an aside. I read a question. Um, I read, a, I read one of those articles this morning um, that comes up when I, my Google screen comes up. And it was like the 10... The 10 fashion things that you have to get rid of now that the, you're going out after the pandemic. And I just sit there getting so annoyed with them. You can't wear this anymore. That's so 2018. And I just go, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. You know, it's like, you know, because that's this constricted. Other people are sitting there just deciding what you can wear. No more skinny jeans. That's so, you know, you know. 10 years ago and it's like like that means anything in this world it means nothing but people give so much import to it and suffer so much over those things I know I have in my life not not about fashion but about other things that were so important but are so meaningless in the big scheme of things and so what do we do when we start letting go of these ideas that have been part of how we view the world for so long. And as I like to often talk about, what we do is we come into, at least I have, is come into uh, community with these teachings, specifically around the Eightfold Path, and um, because that is the recipe for how to live in this world and how to move through the world in harmony with the world and get to this place of freedom um, it's uh, when I talked about the four the the uh, the four noble truths there's suffering and this suffering is because we cling and we crave and there's a way out and the way out is the eightfold path so the way out is the eightfold path so what that does is it gives us a framework and this framework allows to respond to the moment with wisdom, with clarity. And in fact, I love this. Um, Frankel says, the answer to the question we're always being asked must consist not in talk and meditation, but in right action and right conduct. That's the Eightfold Path. You know, wise action, seeing clearly, you know, Life, he says, life ultimately means taking responsibility to find the answer to problems and fill the f task which it sets for each individual. How do we show up? Seeing clearly. You know, the Eightfold Path lays this out. Um, wise action, wise intention, wise speech, not causing harm, cultivating compassion, cultivating goodwill, being generous, um, being present, mindfulness, being fully in the moment so that we know what's happening and we can see the, uh, what the appropriate response is. And he says, human kindness is what's really necessary. In this, in this other piece of that I read of his, he's talked about love. You know? He goes, human kindness, even for those for we can find it easy to condemn. You know, and that's, that's the Buddha talks about, all beings. You know, the Metta Sutta says, we wish well for all beings, omitting none. So it's really, really, really important 
really important that we recognize this and to let go of those ideas that we think will, will fix us. Um, he says, don't aim for success. The more you aim for it and make it a target, success or happiness or whatever it is, the more you aim for it, the more you're going to miss it. And how true is that? The more we kind of power our way, try and bulldoze our way to get what we want, um, oftentimes it's really painful because we keep, we keep running head on into a brick wall. Instead, when we let go, there's so much more ease. There's so much more space. That's finding, moving into that space of equanimity. That's kind of what I was offering in the meditation, those seven factors of awakening, that mindfulness, that, that effort to be present, to let go of what's not wise or skillful, the, uh, the, the curiosity of what is this, and then the experience of the ease that happens. Even with discomfort, even with challenging moments, we can be at ease. Like he says, we're not afraid anymore of anything. Nothing can scare us because we can be fully present in the moment. Um, yeah, he says, success like happiness cannot be pursued. It, it, it ensues. It comes. It's an unintended side effect of our dedication to a cause greater than ourselves, as he says, um, or this practice. You know, being present for, you know, taking ourselves out of the equation. It's not all about I, me, and mine. It's for the benefit of all. You know, that's in Theravada, and it's also later in Mahayana, the Bodhisattva ideal, foregoing our liberation until all beings are liberated, vowing to end suffering, even though suffering is endless, vowing to end it. That's exactly what this is. This is what he's talking about. We are willing to let go. of. We quit chasing stuff. <laughs> he says it happens by not caring about it. It's when you don't chase it anymore. It, it comes up. That's, this, that's in the seven factors of awakening. This joy, this ease, this calm, this contentment. In spite of what's going on. In spite of what's going on. Because he says, um, and this is really powerful. Um, he was talking about this. He was talking about the experience in the camps. And he says, what remained was the individual person, the human being, and nothing else. Everything had fallen away from him during those years. Money, power, fame. Nothing was certain for him anymore. Not life, not health, not happiness. All had been called into question. Vanity, ambition, relationships. Everything was reduced to bare existence. Burnt through with pain. Everything that was not essential was melted down. The human being reduced to what he was in the last analysis. Either a member of the masses, therefore no one real, the anonymous one, a nameless thing, or else he had melted right down to his essential self. We strip away all the stories. We strip away all the ideas. That's, that, this is like, uh, um, you know, uh, stream entry and sakayaditi. Um, we burn away the fetters, those things that get between us and liberation. 
We let it all go. Everything we think we need. It's like the five remembrances. You know, we are all of the nature to grow old, get sick, and die. Everything we have will be taken from us. That's what he just said right here. Everything we have, all we have are our actions. And our actions have to be held in this container of loving kindness and compassion and generosity and goodwill and being in harmony and connected with all beings. That's absolutely um, really core. And he says here also, everything can be taken from a man but one thing. The last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's way, ehipasiko, to choose whether to cling or to be fully present. It's really beautiful. It's a beautiful Dharma teaching that he offers, um, I think. And um, again, I think a different way to um, a different way to look at it. So. Um, I really, I really, I, if you haven't read this book, Man's Search for Meaning, I really suggest you read it. It's, it's really thin. It's not, there's not too much, it's not a long book, but it's really very powerful. And it's, it's been, um, it's been very popular for, you know, it was published in, I think, 47 or 48. So it's, you know, 80 years old and it's um, almost 80 years old and it's still really relevant and really meaningful. And one other thing I'll say, there's a very, very famous quote that I use all the time, and a lot of Dharma teachers do, that is attributed to him. In fact, I think I used it not long ago when I was going through the Eightfold Path. Um, between stimulus, I don't have it memorized, between stimulus and response, between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. That is attributed to Viktor Frankl. And I mentioned that in morning meditation the other day. And after, after meditation, someone in the class sent me a note uh, with a link to an article about how Frankl never actually said that. That's not actually anything he wrote. And it turns out it was basically goes, it was a very convoluted article, but very well researched. And it goes back to, um, Stephen Covey, who was very popular in the 80s or 90s, who wrote a book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he remembered that quote from somewhere, and, um, but he couldn't remember who it was, and somehow it, it got attributed to Viktor Frankl, but it was actually somebody else summing up Viktor Frankl's teachings with that quote, which is, a, is basically what he's pointing to, there is a choice between stimulus and response. And that's where our freedom lies. And so he didn't say that exactly, but that was a lot of his intention. So let me be the first to share that that, that wasn't a Viktor Frankl quote. So um, those are my thoughts on the man's search for meaning. And um, I, hope, I hope it is of some benefit to you. So thank you so much for... Um, Thanks for your generosity and your patience. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these 
podcast possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.